Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm Chad Parsons, got Katie Flower here, uthdynasty.com, and we are ready for the season. Week one is here, college football in full this past weekend, and the crackle in the air, the pigskin is flowing through the air on the ground, and that means we're here. We're going to discuss all 32 teams, our critical player question, what we're watching for this season for each NFL team. So you're going to get a lot of rapid fire impact here. Going into week one, we have our eyes wide open. Next week is going to be the easiest fantasy show. Anyone, if you're ever looking to start a podcast, start it after week one. It's going to be the easiest show ever to put together, put 30, 60 minutes on tape, uh, just because everything's going to be new. And so we drafted divisions here. We're going to go through and trade off with these uh, teams, Katie. And uh, why don't you kick us off for uh, for your first team and your first critical watch or question for 2022. AFC East, I'm going with the Bills and uh, Devin Singletary and just that backfield in general. But the offense seems to circulate around Josh Allen and the wide receivers. Will they, do they even care about that backfield? <laughs> right. And yeah. how is it going to be for fantasy purposes? I know. It seems like it seems like it's all James Cook, you know, in terms of the, 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 the dynasty cost. And yet he might run as running back three to start the season uh, with three guys in the top 100, you know, that were drafted with, with quality pedigree there. Yeah, I agree. Is it going to just be a, a no, no fly zone? Um, I'm going to start with the Falcons. And will Cordero Patterson be a cheat code two years in a row? Now he has the running back moniker. I think he was able to be started at wide receiver and maybe running back as well a year ago. But I got him in a couple startups where I avoided running back. I built up other positions, but Patterson was sitting there, you know, deep in the running back 30s, maybe even 40s. No one gives this guy respect. And I just, I wonder if he's a guy you can plug and play, even for most of the season when it gets started. I think a lot of people are sleeping this. They, they think Tyler Algier is going to take his job. I think Patterson's going to be 12, 14 plus points per game to start. And it's going to, he's going to get you through until you figure out other options, maybe some injury away guys later in the season. Yeah. And I think it's pretty much Patterson's lock for him to lose. And I really don't see a whole lot of pressure from anyone else. I'm going with the Jets next and Zach Wilson. Year two quarterback. I know he's already got an injury. What is his future? Uh, the pressure's not on yet because it's year two, but the whole team will win or lose, die or fall. The fantasy numbers will be all around what happens to him. Yeah, and especially you got Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore, good dynasty value with the assumption that they have a quarterback with the assumption that one of those guys is the clear wide receiver one. I'm going to be I'm going to be smirking all the way to the bank if we see Corey Davis with a, a chunk of these games with the most targets and really siphoning those younger players. Uh, but yeah, quarterback is the name of the game to to support a lot of those weapons. Saints up next for me and things have to be better this year, right? 
<laughs> like that to me, that's the the snarky way of saying James Winston was good, and he was good with Marquez Callaway as the wide receiver one. He's got Jarvis Landry. If Michael Thomas gives him anything, even 50, 60, 70 catches, which is going to be considered a down year compared to expectations for Michael Thomas if he's if he's in the lineup, you got Chris Olave. I think Taysom Hill's going to play a role. Alvin Kamara not being suspended. I think the Saints are going to be not even sneaky, just good on offense. And I think Jameis Winston is one of the the more watched players uh, for Superflex and two quarterback that is in the 20s. And if he ends up being a two, three-year starter, including this year, he's going to end up being a huge value. I know that Kamara was doing so much better when Winston was in the lineup. So I'm very interested with that as well. Uh, back to another quarterback outcome in the AFC East. All the pressures on Tua for Miami. And, you know, they got some new weapons, so it's shit or get off the pot time. Is he going to be fantasy relevant? Will he get past his rookie contract? All those are uh, hinged on this year's performance. Yeah, it seems like expectations in Miami should be high with with how much they've invested. Tyreek Hill being a win now piece, bringing back Gesicki, um, a lot riding on Tua. And I don't think a, a quarterback 15 type season is going to do it. I mean, I think he's got to break through and pass some of these veterans uh, dynasty-wise to justify the risk that is he's not the guy. Uh, Tampa Bay, will Tom Brady stay Tom Terrific at 45 years old? I, I think we really need to enjoy every snap and every game because what he's doing, we may never see again. May never see it. 40 what? You know, I mean, he led the NFL in passes last year by 47. He led in completions of the entire NFL by 42, yards by more than 300, and he led in touchdowns in 2021. I mean, again, 44 years old. Unbelievable. Whether they win the Super Bowl or not, I just want to see quick routes, Kim getting the ball out, one of the smartest we've ever seen at the position with quality weapons. I'm in for it. Whether 45 is the last year, 48 is the last year, let's enjoy the, uh, the the ride here with Tom Terrific. Yep, that's a good point. And I think that he's definitely somebody that you can't trade and you can't, I mean, you can trade four, but yeah. you're probably going to pay more than a third. Everybody keeps getting hooked on that age factor and and will he diminish? We'll see. Good, good question. I'm going with the Patriots wide receivers and who's going to step up. I have a feeling it's going to be Devontae Parker, but I really do like Mac Jones and it's birth his birthday today, 24 years old today, by the way. Happy birthday, Mac Jones. But uh that wide receiver core, if you just look at it on paper, it's it's pretty scattershot. Yeah, I wonder if anyone's gonna finish in the top 40 or so. You know, with the way it's, they spread the ball around uh, on offense in general, that could be good news for Mac Jones. But it's a lot of shoulder shrug for me for the Patriots. I wonder if, you know, we're going to have a big enough split in the backfield where it doesn't even matter that much in terms of getting a high end outcome from somebody. Carolina Panthers, and how many games will Christian McCaffrey play and finish? I think that's the key question because he can be a tilter of dynasty results. If he plays, the games that matter the most. <laughs> and we know what those are late in the season. I mean, it's going to be tough to out that team. The team that did not trade him away, or maybe you drafted him in a startup, maybe you traded for him in the last 12 months. But if he plays most of the games of the season, I think people forget how good he is, that he can put up 25 points per game in his sleep, and he doesn't need 450 carries like Derrick Henry would to get to that number. Yeah. Um... 
so many people fading him in redraft because of the injury history, but that's the one thing that you can't control is injuries. And it's, it's the least of my worries. You know, you got a talented guy like that, take the value. I'm going to move over to the NFC East now, and we'll start with the Philadelphia Eagles who have the easiest schedule, not only for regular uh, purposes, but for fantasy purposes, they've got six, regular season games and all three of their fantasy playoff games are teams that are bottom 10. They've got zero against the top 10 uh, regular season and playoffs. So I'm looking at Miles Sanders. They've got a great wide receiver core. They've got a quarterback who has been stepping up. And so I'm looking dead in the eyes of Miles Sanders. Can he be an RB1? Yeah. And they bring in Trey Sermon. Things are on the move and it's a critical year for him at 25. He could be one that declines rapidly. He could be one that justifies and earns bigger opportunities in the future. Yeah. Miles Sanders is the guy I love to watch, but quizzical usage so far in his career, not being trusted as anything more than a very fragile one a for the Raiders. Who will be the big loser between Devonte Adams, Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller? Cause if they all eat Derek Carr might be top three. You know, it's going to be, uh, and we know they love to run the ball. We know that they're going to be a quality offense and with plenty of weapons. But I just think Darren Waller's been slipping a little bit. Adams, not so much. Renfro, a lot of people think he can't and won't, you know, catch, you know, 90 plus passes. So there's going to be a loser here. If I had to pick one, I think it might be Darren Waller just because if he falls off from that top three, four, five tier at all, I think that's a pretty big uh, teardrop and line in the sand of the have and have nots at tight end. So I wonder if he goes to that middle of saying, well, he's technically not one of the haves after or during this season. Yeah, I'm thinking it's probably going to be Adams because of the double coverage and Renfro will eat and Waller will have more opportunities. But I think it could be just a game-by-game dependent thing too. And that's what's more important. Uh, going down to the my Dallas Cowboys, who are they going to have at wide receiver besides C.D. Lamb? There's so many question marks. They got rid of Amari Cooper for cheap, and now you've got uh, Michael Gallup is injured and banged up. There's talk that Noah Brown might be a starter. Um, Jalen Tolbert, the rookie. Who knows? Big, big, huge question mark. Yeah. And, and CeeDee Lamb, we still haven't seen it. You know, Is he going to do well with the coverage, the attention, and the expectations to be an elite producer, not just an elite dynasty asset? Um, yeah, I think that's a big one. And I actually had a subscriber, uh, talk. we were talking through scenarios, and he was like, you know, I can't quit Will Fuller. You know, I just want to wait a week or two because Dallas might be the team that comes calling. I'd be like, well, that's, I mean, that's a very specific uh, keyhole to try to, to try to push through there. But I was like, I, I kind of get it. You know, I mean, maybe Dallas doesn't see what they want in week one and they give Will Fuller a call on speed dial. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I really want to see what happens there. Otherwise, you expect Lamb and Schultz to get a ton of work. And I don't know if Schultz is up for it either. You know, he was a guy I ignored in coverage last year. Denver Broncos. And I wrote this one down as, both, either, or neither, on Javante Williams and Jerry Judy, they have a lot of elevated dynasty prices compared to what they've done. I mean, Javante Williams has been a career-long committee guy. And at some point, you got to be the guy. Does he push Melvin Gordon aside? Is Jerry Judy the number one? Or is it Cortland Sutton? And I think those two key pieces, the Cortland Sutton's done it a lot more than Judy. Melvin Gordon's done a lot more than Javante Williams. And yet these young guns 
are the ones with the huge price tags. I think both are inflated. I'm fading both of them. I've traded both of them away in certain circumstances. But I wish I had somebody in my life that looked at me like like the Dynasty community looks at Javante Williams because expectations of what they will do versus what they have done is a huge divide. Yeah, uh, I agree. A lot of overvalue there. I am going on to Washington and there's been a very good connection between Carson Wentz and Jahan Dotson, the rookie wide receiver. I want to see if that really lasts through the season or is that just preseason, one of the preseason hype stories, or is that something that can last? I have a feeling that's something that can last and I'm very much looking forward to see if that happens or not. Yep. And of course, it hinges on Carson Wentz, you know, or how much good and how much bad and how much just good enough uh, is going to be there with Wentz. For the Chiefs, who is the answer at wide receiver? There's two offenses, Green Bay and Kansas City, of we really don't have a, a great sense of what's going to happen. No one is super high priced. I find it interesting Sky Moore is the highest priced, that he's the one that coming in, he's probably going to be wide receiver three, wide receiver four in the pecking order to start the season. I'm coming around, and I, again, this might just be hit me once, shame on me, hit me twice. What am I doing? Uh, but th- the only guy they really paid and and have much allegiance to is Marquez Valdez Scanley. I know he couldn't do it in Green Bay, but they had Devontae Adams. So I wonder, again, I'm rooting for Juju as so hard as possible that Juju Smith-Schuster, we see early Pittsburgh Juju there, and he's a top 12 guy. I'm rooting for that. But my brain says they paid him two, three, four million dollars on a one-year deal. Everyone gets paid at wide receiver for more than that. So they paid Valdez Scanling. It might just be two hundred targets for Kelsey. But if there's an answer here, there is. There are big dynasty ramifications for market value, liquidity, and for our lineups. Yeah, I'm, I'm having a hard time not remembering the juju that was young. I mean, he's still young, but young and going crazy early on. Old, yeah. yeah. And I think that that could resurface and I would love to see that connection with Mahomes. Um, I just don't think that MVS is it. That's just my own personal opinion. Now we get to the New York Giants finish out the NFC East and that's going to stem with what can Daniel Jones do, but who are the wide receivers that are going to step up or is there going to be any one wide receiver? Or is it going to be one day Galladay, one day Tony? And, you know, who is this Wandale Robinson of which everybody speaks? Everybody's <laughs> already anointing him. And uh, Kadarius Tony has made a move forward in the preseason. So I'm just very interested to see what that wide receiver core is going to look like. Yeah. And this might be another one with, that doesn't have a top 36, top 40 guy, you know, that they spread it around. They might have three guys in the top 70, but no one in the top 40. And man, Sequan Barkley, can you please be healthy and vibrant? And that player we saw years ago, kind of like Juju, we remember, we remember, but it's getting uh, it's getting a little faded. Uh, last one in the AFC West for me is the Chargers. Will Isaiah Spiller be the running back two by the end of the season? They bring in Sonny Michelle. Spiller had a slow start with injury, but also Joshua Kelly um, and Larry Roundtree at times in that depth chart being ahead of him. I think this is a key running back two spot. It could be flex viable on a weekly basis. And Spiller has expectations. Obviously, he fell in the draft. And if year one doesn't go that well and Sonny Michelle keeps the role or whatever, um, I think it's going to be a really interesting discussion on is he going to be considered the guy at some point in his career? Is he going to be the running mate with Austin Eckler? Um, and again, Spiller was the one going early in second rounds. Yeah. 
I'm moving over to the AFC South next, and the big question mark is, is Damian Pierce for the Texans really the guy? He's preseason stud. He's going to be the starter. They dropped Marlon Mack. That's all well and good. They still got Rex Burkhead there. I'm not all that crazy about that offense, and I'm not all that crazy about Pierce. But if I'm a dynasty owner and I see that by midseason he's doing decent, Hello, 23 first. Please just let me get rid of Damien Pierce as fast as I can. Yeah, it's so rare. I think there's been six, seven guys that have been top 24 out of uh, day three in the last 25 years. So it doesn't happen often, and they don't repeat in the top 24 often either. So if you get this burst, a lot of times, yeah, the cash out is what you need to do um, if you can stomach it. You know, and, and again, Damien Pierce should not be integral to your dynasty plans this year. He would be a supplement. Moving over to the NFC North, we got Green Bay Packers. Is Alan Lazard the easy answer in Dynasty that we're just not uh, we're just not believing it? You know that that Alan Lazard he's had two three quality seasons in the in the shadows of, of Devontae Adams. Lazard can be trusted. Lazard has trusty hands. We may oh we want him faster. We want him more dynamic. We want him with with greater agility. But if he does the little things well, and we have Aaron Rodgers putting it in the bread box. How can you know why are we saying Lazard can't t- catch 10 12 passes, 10 12 touchdowns, and catch 80 balls? Why are we saying that can't happen? I don't trust the rest of the depth chart as far as I can throw it. And so, Lazard, if, if he goes for 102 touchdowns in week one, do not be surprised. All these guys are pretty affordable, too. And I feel like, uh, you know, there, there's actually more reasons for optimism for one or two guys here for clarity. For in Green Bay, then maybe even in Kansas City. So I think Lazard is the guy that, if you have him, enjoy this ride. And if he falls all the way back down to nothing, just enjoy the ride because you've got a chance here for a guy that could average nearly a touchdown per game. I think that whoever ends up the wide receiver one for the Green Bay Packers could make or break your season in Dynasty just for this year alone. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it's Lazard. I'm not, I am not holding out hope that it's Sammy Watkins and I'm glad that Christian Watson at least is starting to slow down because of the injury. And so, you know, who knows, but if you walk into a cheat code that you got for really, really cheap, that can really help your dynasty roster get through this year. I am continuing on AFC South. We're going to go to the Titans and one of my favorite college players uh, because he was an Arkansas Razorback and I got to see him quite a lot. The question mark is Traylon Burks. I know that we don't put a lot of expectations on rookies, but he is a fairly high pick. And I just want to see the chemistry with Ryan Tannehill. I know he's had some preseason struggles with the asthma and the conditioning and things like that. But this guy is a hard worker. I want a crystal ball. I want to know, is he going to be over 800 yards, 900, 1,000? You know, it, can he put up those numbers? I think, yes, he can. And we'll just see. Will it happen? Yeah, I'm super excited. Um, it feels like a little baby Jamar Chase in the sense of all the hand wringing from August. And I think you're going to get to September and we're going to, you know, it's going to be a fun little story. I, I'm just picturing eight man boxes, nine man boxes on Derrick Henry, single coverage for Traylon Burks. If he breaks a tackle, house call. Like, I think, I think just like AJ Brown, I think they are going to be boom bust in the passing game and the booms are going to be unbelievable just because they're going to get optimal looks and not two, three defenders that can stop a big play. So pretty excited to see, you know, how many of those he puts together for the bears. Will Justin Fields show enough in a bad situation? They've, they're, they're the anti-Jets. 
they've done nothing for this guy. The fact that Amir set, uh, you know, uh, Amir Smith Marisette is was like a a notable signing, and and br- come on in. Their wide receiver too is an S show. We'll see about Cole Komet. We'll see if uh, Darnell Mooney are up for the expectations of big targets. But is he going to be able to survive this season and survive 2023 where they're likely to have a high pick? They're going to have options for quarterback. Fields needs to wear those off. And now he's two years in. This is the hot zone where you're not too far away from the team deciding if they're in or out on you. That's a great question. Uh, My next question is AFC South again. I'm taking the Indianapolis Colts this time. I like Michael Pittman and I like that connection with Matt Ryan, but who else? Paris Campbell, Alex Pierce, Ashton Doolin. I mean, they don't even have a really big name at tight end. So I know that they've got Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman. Could they just run their offense solely around them with a little bit here and there? Maybe, but who's going to step up into that wide receiver too and really own that spot? Will that be fantasy relevant? That's a that's a big question. Yeah, I I, I want to look at Mo Ali Cox. He was playing a lot with the starters. He might have a big market share there, um, and so he might be a, a non wide receiver that ends up being sneaky top 12, 15 at the position. For the Vikings, will Kirk Cousins be a key super flex producer? He's been top 15 each of the last seven seasons, two top six years. They're loaded on offense, and it feels like this is the type of year, maybe it's Jameis Winston, but if it's if it's Kirk Cousins, as your QB2 in a premium format, I think he's going to produce like a QB1, and he might be one of those key guys that have you just pummeling people at the position. Good question. And uh, to round out the South, it's going to the Jaguars, and it's it's on the shoulders of Trevor Lawrence. Will he step up and be a super flex quarterback that we expected him to be? I think he will. I think he can. They've got some decent weapons around him, some guys that are now healthy. Will he be that five-star stud coming out of Clemson that we all expect him to be? That's the big question. Yeah, this is the year. He has to elevate the, the franchise, the, right? I mean, he's got yes. to, even though the weapons aren't ideal, they're better than they were, and you've got to bring Meyer out. This has got to be the year for Trevor Lawrence, and it doesn't have to be top six or top eight, but he's got to get into the top 15, 16 of the position, show those high water marks, have those peak games, uh, especially against bad opponents. Um, he's already looking a lot more comfortable. Oh, I know. I know. And we shouldn't be surprised at all if he takes a massive step, and Jacksonville does as well. For the Lions, finishing out here at the, at the NFC North, Will Amon Ross St. Brown build on his toward end to 2021? I'm skeptical. But again, he's an outlier already. Day three, highly productive in year one. And, but I am one of those guys that points to Hawkinson, Swift being healthy. They brought in DJ Chark, who should not be left for dead. He can provide something. Jamison Williams, when he's healthy, being a part of that offense. I think there's a lot of mouths to feed. And Amon Ross St. Brown may be the number one fantasy option in that passing game. But I still think... There's a, a fractured dynasty audience here of a lot of people think he should be top 20, top 25. Some people wouldn't draft him in the top 40. So I think he is one that there's a big divide. And this season, how it goes, will go a lot towards which side is right so far. And they have the third easiest schedule. So I think they can probably support a couple. It will be interesting to see. I like that question. And I am very curious about DJ Chark as well. Over to the NFC East, 
And Trey Lance, 49ers, he now owns the job, but in the shadow of Jimmy Garoppolo, who's still sitting in the bench behind him. And that's not really something that normally happens. When you ascend as a second-year player, most of the time the teams get rid of the other guy. How is that going to look? How is Trey Lance going to do this year? He's the Javante Williams with the quarterback position. He's already been anointed. So we'll anointed, see. yeah. Yes. I, I saw him go 104, Katie, at a super flex startup draft. Talk about there's only one outcome. There's yeah. only one outcome that he is Lamar Jackson. He has to be Lamar Jackson and this year, right away. I, I just think it's such a high bar that it's gonna be really tough. Even if he's good, I think it's fantasy gonna be tough for him to achieve said high bar that just keeps going up. Ravens, will JK Dobbins be elite and justify his cost. He's gotten a pass, a lot of passes. He was good, promising, showing signs, but this Ravens team doesn't produce high-level opportunities for goal line, for targets. Dobbins, I think, is a great player, but this is not the year to be in on Dobbins and just holding him because he's coming back from a serious injury. There's all this maybe kind of sort of for week one, and I just don't think he's going to justify the cost in the mid-teens of the position. A lot of people think he's going to end up being a top five guy at some point. Well, at some point, he's burning these young years, and the profile is going to be such that you need to do it now. And I don't think he can do it now. I think the situation is not good enough, and I think that he's not going to be healthy enough this year to actually be elite. I agree. I, I think he's already banged up, and they're looking at Mike Davis coming in as Kenyon potential Drake. starter. They just keep adding. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so I I have those same questions, Chad. Uh, going to the Cardinals, NFC West, my question mark is James Conner, and will he be an RB1? He has the opportunity. They've got a good offense. They've got a fairly good defense. They have... Uh, you know, they're right in the mix for playoffs and all of that. So... Um, what is his story this year? Yeah, he had a perfect storm of touchdowns and opportunities last year. I still don't believe in Eno Benjamin a ton. We'll see about Daryl Williams if he's the number two at some point. But yeah, I mean, if if Connor does, if he scores seven touchdowns, what does his season look like? And does it turn into more of a committee that we don't want? For the Bengals, and I'm going to hearken uh, Katie, uh, her line here, because is Joe Burrow elite or is he just an average Joe? Elevated by really good uh, targets around him. And this year, again, Burrow's the guy that people put QB4, QB5, all the way up there, right behind the, the, the superheroes and the big boys at the position. So there's no wiggle room there. Burrow's not an overly mobile guy. He had a perfect storm of long touchdowns with Jamar Chase taking the, 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 the NFL by storm last year. I think Burrow is the classic case of, show me again. Show me mid-QB1 again. And then we can change your profile and change how you look. But there's a lot of competition for the top six or seven at the position. I think Burrow is going to take a step back. And I, I like Chase. I like Higgins. And I just think that Burrow is going to be maybe better NFL-wise. Bengals are going to be relevant for a long time. But fantasy, he might have a lot of top 12 years, but maybe not a lot of top six years. I can, I can buy that. I dig it. And I'm going to ask the same question that you asked two seconds ago about J.K. Dobbins. I'm asking the same question mm -hmm. about Cam the Ram. And Cam the Ram, uh, is he going to do the Ramalama ding dong dance in the, in the uh, end zone a lot? Or is he going to just, 
you know, coming back from a major, major injury and they've got a heck of an offense. Great team. I like him as a player, but will he be a little slower, a little this, a little that? What's his fantasy outlook this year? Yeah, I think Dobbins and Akers more excited about them potentially in 2023 on the rebound cost goes down and they just get that extra time from significant injuries that I think you have to be a little, little resident of their first year back Browns. Will we see elite Deshaun Watson this season? The more I've thought about this Watson spending so much time away and yes, he could come back week 13, week 14, week 15. How many data points do we need to feel comfortable with our lineup right away? fantasy playoffs. We don't have a lot of time. And I wonder, are the Browns still going to be relevant in the playoff race by then? So even though he's not suspended for the whole year, I wonder with Watson, if the factory reset, let's get all the way to 2023. And so your investment is really going to be feeling comfortable with them next year, and maybe not even for any starts this year, based on just time away, not being with the team for now for a few months, I, I think that's going to be a really interesting watch on where is Cleveland and where is Deshaun Watson in those late season weeks. And then I'm going to wrap up mine in uh, Seattle. And I am sorry, but I think that all of their fantasy relevant weapons, Tyler Lockett, Rashad Penny, Kenneth Walker, DK Metcalf, Noah Fant, it doesn't matter what they do unless Geno Smith can do something. Well, Drew Locke is behind him and to have a, you know, a young player that can't even beat an, an old veteran that's been around and really never did a whole lot himself. Sad, sad time. So as Seattle goes or as Dino goes, so goes Seattle. And so do all of the fantasy relevant weapons. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching to see how much of a discount in season we get on DK Metcalf. You know, a, a strong talent in the long term, but this season can go sideways in a hurry. Lockett might go down the toilet. He might be a really cheap veteran addition. I can't believe, Katie, they did this. They got all the way to week one. They did not add a quarterback. It seemed like the easiest argument ever to find a trade for somebody, draft somebody. They said no to everything. I mean, it, this is, I mean, we say tanking doesn't exist. Going into week one like this with your quarterback, is the closest you can kind of do in a reasonable fashion in the NFL. Last one for me, Pittsburgh Steelers. I think there's two things at play. Which one's going to win out? The demise of Chase Claypool or is George Pickens overvalued right now? I like Pickens. I think the raw tools of Chase Claypool, but Claypool still holds a lot of value. And right now Pickens is hot, white hot. I don't think other than Deontay Johnson that this passing game is going to support a whole lot unless quarterback is better than expected. So I want to know what happens beyond Deontay Johnson. I think Claypool could fall through the floor. I think Pickens, people are excited. And then we get to October, November. And it's like, eh, he's not even really a strong flex play. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, remember when he was worth a first plus and now you won't even be able to get a first for him because people you know, just get infatuated and realize wide receiver, especially number two wide receiver, is tough. It's really, really tough to get all the way home and be a producer early in your career. Pittsburgh has the toughest, the second toughest schedule. And add to that, they're looking at starting Mitch Trubisky. Let me say that again. They're looking to start Mitch Trubisky. That's a disaster. Popcorn. And and Kenny Pickett, sorry, rookie. Uh, this isn't looking any better. Their offensive line really, really has gone downhill. I'm worried for Najee Harris. I'm worried for all of their offensive weapons. 
And it's just going to be a struggle bus. They play the second toughest. And then in the fantasy playoffs, they're playing two of the top 10 uh, teams. It's just a train wreck. Katie, you had a, a, an interesting trade go down uh, to close out the show here in our final segment. So so break this down. It involved Kyle Pitts and it involved um, a lot of, of Dynasty League conversation. Yeah, uh, this is a one round Devi League, one round per year, three rounds of rookie draft. And the league itself has been around for 12, 15 years, so it's stable. Start one quarterback. Start one tight end, no tight end premium, 23-man roster. And this guy had taken over through dispersal a team. He drafted the team through dispersal. His number one pick in the dispersal draft was Kyle Pitts. So you know he had valued him at some point. But he's basically traded off every piece of anything that has any value for in my opinion, table scraps. So he traded Kyle Pitts plus Devontae Parker and Donovan Peoples-Jones just to make it an even three for three trade. And he got Alex Pierce, Jerome Ford, Josh Downs, who is a Debbie player, wide receiver for North Carolina, not that big. His stats aren't that great. He's not projected to be an NFL round one, maybe not even a round two. And then a partially Debbie depleted late 23 first. So he got four pieces for three pieces. And what I don't like about this trade, it's not even so much the value difference. Because if you look at the DLF trade calculator and some of the other trade calculators, the Kyle Pitt side wins by a huge, huge margin. And in short rosters, you want studs. Kyle Pitts is 21 year old, 21 years old. And the guy was saying, yeah, but you don't know what he's going to do. It's like, yeah, but you don't know what Alec Pierce or uh, <laughs> Jerome Ford or Josh Downs are going to do either. And Josh Downs is not that high of a prospect. Kyle Pitts has already been drafted in the NFL at fourth overall. And do you know when the last time, Chad, that a rookie tight end has gone over 1,000 yards in the NFL? Uh, never. No, it happened in 1961. Oh, there you go. Mike Did, Ditka. Ditka, Ditka. Mike yeah. Ditka. But that's it. He's a unicorn. If you're a if you're a building team, I understand you want to trade a guy like George Kittle or uh, Travis Kelsey for a package. I understand, but Kyle Pitts is 21. Why wouldn't you want to build around him? It's not like he's got anything else on his team to score points and make him not get next year's 101. It's like the reverse tank. It's like, I, I don't even understand this trade. Right. Help yeah, me well, break have, it down, Chad. Well, well, you have like a, a five plus year window where he's really insulated. Uh, there's going to be a lot of latitude if he doesn't get, even if he doesn't get all the way home to being the number one producer in a given season. But look at this. I mean, Kelsey's getting older. Kittle's getting older. Uh, Andrews is later 20s. I mean, Pitts has a window here to dominate the position by market value and by flexibility, by liquidity. And yeah, like you said, I mean, you're in shallow rosters, and I would define shallow as 25 and under, especially. It is all about getting the best player. 
Go two for one, go three for one, go five for two, whatever you need to do, because having that one piece, freeing up roster spots is hugely valuable. Having that one cornerstone element, especially at a position that gives you a long runway, right? So so getting additional stuff and going towards the wide receiver route, going the, towards the Debbie route, all these things are hyper risky. And yeah, I mean, that can derail a team, derail a league in the sense of you're moving blue chip players and assets for non-blue chip stuff. So we, we talk about this all the time. I mean, we, we go over trades that are like, you can't give up cream for you know the, the rest of the milk, you know the watery liquid. You can't do that. You can't sell a dollar for four quarters. You can't do it. And that's what makes it so tough. Uh, if you're looking to trade that, you have to find the exact right package if you're interested and be patient. And it sounds that's- like they were none of these things. Right. And that's called way, by the way. Way. Oh, there you go. The watery <laughs> stuff is way. The watery stuff is called the Learn way. Learn that. Not the cream, the way. That's right. You separate the curds from the way. Curds from the way. Yeah. Isn't that a nursery rhyme? Yeah. Well, it is. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so I couldn't understand that yeah. trade. And and again, you know, he's like, you're acting as if Kyle Pitts is this and that. And it's like, he, if you, if you look at him, yeah. everything he has shown from his NFL combine to, to the draft position. He's a unicorn. There's only been one other tight end. It may not turn out that way, but all the information we have to date says that that's the direction we're headed. Right. And what information do you have on Alec Pierce or on Josh Downs? Exactly. So anyway, first. (laughs) this team was a dispersal team not that long ago and then has just destroyed their team so as a dynasty owner it makes me sad right and it's just a cautionary tale for those out there i don't think anybody in the listening audience would do anything like that but it does destroy leagues too because it put a competitive advantage to somebody that didn't pay enough like it wasn't even market value if it had been six pieces of at least market value okay but it was it was like half not even half market value. And that's what I don't understand. Kyle Pitts is not a hot potato. He's not going to ruin your chance at getting the 101. And he's 20 freaking one years old. So if you're and, yeah. and Alec Pierce is 22, Jerome Ford is 22. So you didn't get younger. Yeah. You know, well, except for Josh Downs and the future pick. <laughs> do you have a do you have a final thought for the week? No, nah, just I'm amped up. I'm amped up. My uh, yeah. Razorbacks won their their start, and LSU lost. Boohoo! Yeah. Sorry, Brian Kelly. Sorry, LSU. But uh, no, I'm excited for both college and the pro season to start. Just we are so here. jazzed. I mean, we we're, this here, is like finally. just dumping water over the top of you, like you're at a water park. I mean, we went from no nothing in the preseason to a full college slate. We're gonna have we're gonna be knee deep in college and the NFL, and it's gonna go on for months. How great is that? We got an extra week of the NFL. We got college running through the entire season, bowl games, and then I mean, see it, see in New Year's, <laughs> see in New Year's. Here we are, three four months uh, straight here. My final point is going to be, and, and you kind of alluded with with one sentence that you said, which is you know tanking, trying to get the one hundred and one, and I'll say my go to phrase, which is contend until you're not contending, and don't go into week one saying. I can't win. Don't be shocked if you win. Don't be shocked if you come out of September and you're two and one or three and one or two and two and you're like, I'm in this thing. 
Things are going my way. A couple running backs broke my direction with with injuries and opportunities. You know, a couple quarterbacks, you know, have a longer leash. They look better than I expected. You know, just be open to the possibilities. And yeah, if you get to the doldrums of the season and you're three and seven and you start doing the math and you're like, I'm out. I am out and things are not looking good. McCaffrey's hurt again. Like whatever, whatever's going on, assess as you go. I've said before, look at all play. Look at, uh, you know, look at the power rankings for your league. What's the storyline going on? If you're in the middle, if you're down by two or three games with a month to go, you still have a chance. So don't fold up shop. I've had teams win the entire thing with, I need to win two to get into the playoffs. So don't give up and don't give up in October. Definitely don't give up before week one. And don't start scouting college like you got the 101 next year when you got three plus months of the regular season to play. Stay in it to win it. And that doesn't mean you have to sit here and trade for every old producer under the sun if you're a team right on the right on the fringe. It doesn't mean you have to do that, but it means you could just be grinding, setting your lineups, running the waiver wire, making the best decisions you can for your team for the next two, three months. See where you sit as you go. Don't fold up shop and don't go home like you can't win and won't win. Because if you have that mindset, I've had it before. You start trading away pieces. Um, you know, That's it, 2023. You start winning games. It's the weirdest thing. All of a sudden, you'll start winning some games and you might wish you had those players back. So my pitch is compete until you are done. And no one in early September is done. Well, we are done in our uh, preseason and offseason coverage. We're going to be back to a lot of data points changing. Uh, what's going to be for real? What's not for real? After week one, it's going to be tough to tell. It's, we need a few more weeks than that. But uh, if you have questions, you have comments, uh, it's great to go through all 32 teams. If you're a follower of one of these teams, what do we miss? Are we off, are, are we off on the wrong... Uh, off on the wrong data point, the wrong uh, target here for some of our questions. Let us know. Katie Flower between episodes at FF underscore Skyler 399. I am at Chad Parsons NFL. Reminder, next week will be the first one in season UTH film notes. So sets my watch. Probably go to bed at 3.34 in the morning because I'm watching every game. Monday, you're going to have it all into a 60 to 90 minute podcast. and You'll be ready to go on Monday ahead of your peers, ready for the full waiver wire. And again, I can't wait to get started with the grind of the season. And here we are. We, we go for eight, nine months to build up our team, make our bets. And here we are for lineup season and winning season. So can't wait for that. UTSGISD.com with the general manager plus subscription, trade calculator, everything you need in season to have your best year yet. For Katie, I am Chad. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties. Did you see that I screwed up? There is no central, so I took central. A- did you say? Did you really? Oh, yeah. That's why we had the two extra because I was like, how do we have two more? Wait, so wait, did we both say central? No, I said AFC Central and then NFC Central. You never stopped me. And so, <laughs> wait, so wait, so do we have the right things? No, well, I, that's why I said I'll take AFC South and NFC West, which were the last two that weren't. So you've got AFC North. AFC wait, West. Let me make sure I have the right things. I just went along my business and I wrote down. A, wait, AFC. here I am drafting fat and happy and don't even notice there's no central team. Wait, wait, there's no central team. There's no central team. South, no. So it's just the nautical south. north, south, east, north. So west. can you name the four ones that you have? I did AFC okay, East. AFC, AFC East. South. Let me hi- hold on. Let me highlight it. AFC East. 
AFC South. Do you really? Yes. Oh, shit. Because I already took notes on that. Son that was one of the last ones. Uh, well, Son of a bitch. What do I have then? You've got AFC North hold and on. AFC West. AF. Wait, hold on. AFC. I should AFC. Okay, I have AFC West. Let me highlight that. Do yes. I have any, do what? Well, we'll play guess who. Do I have NFC no- South? Yes. Okay. Is he wearing glasses? No. <laughs> um, NFC North. Yes, you still have them. Okay, so I have three of them correct. The one I don't have is AFC South, so that's gonna be yours. And you, but you do have AFC West. <laughs> okay, so I have AFC West. All right. Which I did not. All right. Let me write a couple things down. AFC South and NFC West were the last two. I don't know, Katie. So I figured. That's hilarious that in a text, it is hard to keep track of the eight conference, eight divisions. Well, that's why I was like, how are there still more? We already did eight. Because <laughs> we were drafting Central. I, I drafted Central and you didn't say North, anything about it. We were drafting Northwest you know, NFL, a- NFL Northwest. <laughs> we did that one. Uh, all right. So we got well, I did Central as my next two picks. Wait a second. And AFC West. Wait, I already wrote down AFC starters. West. Huh? Okay. Here's the ones I have so far. NFC South, AFC West, NFC North. What's the fourth one? NFC North. NFC North. You've got AFC. I've got that one NFC. already. I already, ha- I just said that one. I'm you've got a- Chad, you've got <laughs> AFC and NFC North. You've got AFC West and NFC South. It's <laughs> hilarious that it takes us. I'm still confused. I have I, NFC South right here. I already wrote yes. it down. I have AFC West. Can you just cross this off your list? Tell me the one one that I don't have. AFC West. That's the second one. Third one, NFC North. What's my fourth one? NFC South. That's the first one I said, Katie. <laughs> AFC North. Thank you. 